This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Well, welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We're very happy to have you guys along with us this week for a wonderful wine week. And Dad, what wines are we doing this week? We're doing Washington State wines, Josh. That's going to be exciting. We've done this once before, but we made sure that we've got different wines. The the wine the wine world of Washington is ever growing and expanding. So we're I'm excited to do this again. Me too. So what is your wine and pairing this week, Dad? So I have the Horse Heaven Hills ABA Cab. It's a 2019. I have a steak cheese sandwich. You know, two weeks ago you kept talking about the bar and brewery. Uh, steak sandwich and I just said okay I gotta have it and I couldn't decide on the cheese so but I'd have two so I have the Humboldt Fog and the Stilton cheese and also I have apples with caramel dipping sauce Ooh, that sounds good I think it will be yeah I think it's gonna be real good uh this week I have the Velvet Devil Merlot from Charles Smith Wines and my pairings are a Toulouse sausage with some caramelized onions, some bursola, duck prosciutto, and a oatmeal and cranberry cookie. Oh, all right. Duck is back in the house. Yes, yes it is. And we're very excited about that. But before we can get into all this yumminess, we've got to talk about the blind from a couple weeks ago. And it was liquor. That's right. I don't remember what I said. Well, it was a brown liquor, and you went through it, and you said, you know, I haven't tasted uh, Tennessee whiskey in a long time. You said, I don't think it's Irish or Scotch or bourbon, because we were doing the bottles and bond bourbon that week. Right. Oh, that's right. So I said it was a Tennessee whiskey. That's right. And what was it? Ding, ding, ding. It uh-huh. was Jack Daniels. Okay, Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, charcoal filtered. That's old right. number seven. You know, I was I was getting the smell, and that's what that was—the charcoal. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was interesting, and it was good to go at that blind because I don't really drink a lot of Tennessee whiskeys, that's but a, yeah. it's good. Mm-hmm. All right, all, all right. right. Well, cheers, let's cheers. Go ahead and get into it. We're going to start with mine. Cheers, the Charles Smith Velvet Double Merlot. I. Absolutely love Washington Merlots. I think they are extremely underrated when it comes to the world of wine. And I mean, Merlot itself is highly underrated because of sideways. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Merlot makes some of the most expensive and some of the best wines in the world. That's right. Uh, Coming from, you know, the Pomerol region and the left or the right bank of Bordeaux. Watch the movie, and I know exactly what you're saying about Sideways and Merlot. They just trashed it and trashed it and trashed it, but it's really good wine. Yeah, and it so it actually had an, a massive effect on the wine market because oh, people yeah. stopped buying Merlot, and there were just even wines of a movie just because. Yeah, you know that's how easy it is to sway a market sometimes, and there were even vineyards that tore up their Merlot to plant. Cab or Pinot instead. Oh, that's sad. And I think, you know, like you, yeah, I agree. I think it's sad because this is a really good, it's a really great grape. I think it can grow really well. And I really, really like this Merlot. So, you know, part of what, I, you know, with my research and I'm sure yours too, I, I had a hard time realizing that with Washington State being so far north that they could grow the Cab and the Merlot. Because that's usually really a warm climate. Well, they're lucky they have a they have a desert. That's right. They have a you know they have the Cascade Mountains that run through it, mm-hmm. and then on the eastern side of that is actually a desert. Mm-hmm. So you get all those warmer conditions for those warmer varieties. And right. I mean, yours is actually coming out of the southern part of the state too. Oh, that's right. But right. and and you got to think about where Washington State is in relationship to the Gulf Stream. You know, the Gulf Stream goes right by Washington State, and that's a lot of what keeps it warm. Right. I mean, you know, Marie lived in Seattle for a long time, and she was like, yeah, we don't get a whole lot of snow because mm-hmm. they have so much – I mean, they get cold, but there's the warm – the air coming off the Gulf Stream, like you're talking about, just doesn't allow for it. 
And even when the snow in the Cascades, when I was working in Montana at a ski resort, they used to all, um, people who skied the Cascades a lot used to call the snow up there Cascade mud because it was really wet, which is a warmer, mm-hmm. which is a warmer right. style of snow. Exactly. But I'm really excited about this wine. So what do you, as I've been chit-chatting, what have you been smelling and well, tasting I'm, I'm the wine? I'm getting the pepper, but it's not that black pepper. I'm getting like the white pepper. I'm not getting a, a whole lot of floral. It's, yeah. Well, what but, about the fruits? What fruits are you well, getting? Well, I'm getting some really good fruit smells. I mean, it's like uh, black currants, maybe some blackberry, you know, maybe some black cherry or something like that. But it's really, it's not really what you would call fruit forward, but it is pretty fruity on the nose. Yeah, well, I would I would actually tend to disagree with you that this is a very fruit forward wine. Mm-hmm. You just you know listed three different fruits that are coming out at you, right. and when I get in there, I'm getting the same thing: that black currant, black cherry, blackberry kind of notes. And there's like a almost a like oily, like an olivey okay. kind of kind ofness on this that I get because, but I also get. Like you're talking about some of that kind of peppery flavors. There's not a whole, whole lot of earth in here. No, There's no. a little bit in the background, but nothing really kind of on top. And it's making my mouth water. Have you tasted it yet? Yes, it does make your mouth water. What? You did taste it? Yes. So what What were you tasting in it? Okay, it's, it's. Uh, I get the dryness. I get the fruit. Again, I get the, the you know, the white pepper. I don't get a whole lot of anything else. There's not, you know, there's not a jasmine or anything like that. It's got some earth, and that's maybe coming from uh, where it is grown. Is that um, is that limestone it's grown in? Um, I don't think so. So yeah. there's no AVA designation besides Washington okay. on the uh, Velvet Devil. So it's kind of grown all over the state. So it might just be plain old crushed raw. Well, I mean, yes. I don't exactly know the the history of the soil right. when it comes up there. I would assume that there's. Uh, I don't. I'm not even going to go there because I'm I'm nowhere a geologist, nowhere close to a geologist. But you know, there's all different types of soils with it coming from the ABA of Washington State. That that means that it's the wine is coming. You know, I think over 80% of it comes from Washington. I would be highly surprised if there's any of this that does not come from Washington State. And I just, I super love this wine. You know, Charles, Charles Smith is, you know, they're the ones with the black and white labels and they're Mm -hmm. really kind of stylish. You know, last time you did the Boom Boom Syrah. That's right. From them. And they're. You know, kind of his mission with this Merlot was to kill what Sideways did, was to show that this is a great grape and it grows really well and it can make uh-huh. some high class wines uh-huh. from all over the world. You know, this is 89% Merlot, 10% okay. Cabernet, and 1% okay. Malbec. Oh, okay. So it does have some blending in there, which is allowed in the AVA, mm-hmm. as long, I believe, as long as it's 80% in the Washington State, as long as it's 80%. Of one thing, it can be called that thing. So, what's our size again? So we have the uh, we have a Toulouse sausage with some caramelized onion. We have the Bersola, which is the air dried uh, cured beef. We have duck prosciutto, and then a oatmeal and cranberry cookie. Okay. So, have you had anything yet? I've had the air dried bruschetta or prosciutto, and so it it doesn't have any sweetness to it. It has that that dry, and of course it's. And I'm sure it's coming from it's been air dry. It has dryness, but with the acid of the wine, you know, that whole experience says, drink some more, and eat some more. Very good. Yeah. What are you getting? Well, I, I get kind of the same stuff. The thing, one thing that I love about the Bersola is you get that earthy meatiness from it, but you also get a bit of salinity mm-hmm. from it, which helps the wine, which 
like you're talking about, the acidity of the wine really brings out more of the earthiness of the wine. I'm getting mm-hmm. a little bit more of the that lower tone of earth, mm-hmm. still with the brightness of the fruit. And then a little bit of bitterness actually comes through for That's me right. with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a little bit about Merlot. Merlot, like I mentioned, is grown in multiple different places all over the world. Uh, it's best known for being from France in the Bordeaux region. It's one of the Bordeaux grapes on the right bank in saint emilion and Pomerol. It is majority used in Pomerol. It's actually 100% used as the grape. So if you've ever heard of Chateau Pertus, mm-hmm. which is one of the most expensive wines in the world, mm-hmm. it is 100% Merlot. Okay. And, you know, a lot of the great Bordeaux houses have a good percentage of Merlot in it. And then Saint-Emilion, which like uh, Chateau Angelus, are also Merlot driven. So I don't really remember from the movie exactly why they were trashing Merlot. He just hated it. He just hated it. He just hated the grape. Okay. He, Pinot was the best grape and he he hated Merlot. Yeah. And he has the whole he has a tirade in a tasting room about That's right. That he didn't want Merlot and they gave him Merlot. But it's it's a so it's a it's actually a sibling of Cabernet Sauvignon. They both have the same one of the same parent grapes, which is Cabernet Franc, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. It is also grown in kind of the same climates as Cabernet Sauvignon or as Malbec or Cab Franc. You know, a lot of the times some people will, you know, kind of say that it's Cabernet because it has a lot of the same profiles Mm -hmm. of it. And like I said, you know, the most expensive Merlot was sold at auction in 2011 it was a case in 1961 Petrusse, and the case went for $144,000. That's $12,000 a bottle. So, like I said, it it, it has a noble heritage mm-hmm. in the States. It's not grown as much. I, I love that it's found a home in Washington State because I think mm-hmm. Washington does really good Merlot. You get a lot of good fruitiness out of it. You get some of that, that, oliviness and like you talked about coming up pepperness but it's a little bit more finessed than some of the merlots that you get out of california which is another very popular place for it to be grown right because like i said you know cab is popular in california and merlot will grow alongside cab yeah so i tried the duck ham yep so there's a there's a perceived sweetness with that duck ham and of course there's that whole layer of fat and then which with, is, by the way, which that's where the sweetness is coming from. It's mm-hmm, from the fat. Mm-hmm. And then with that sweetness of the fat and the acidity of the wine, gosh, I think that's ding, ding, ding. That's might be <laughs> best on plate. I mean, a lot of times you bring that duck in and it's like, this is really, this is really good, but it didn't quite make it the best on plate. Well, and you have to remember, this isn't Of course, duck- I haven't really tried everything yet. Well, and you have to remember, this isn't duck ham. Okay. This is duck prosciutto. Oh, that's right. So it's done differently. It's not smoked. No, okay. It, is, it follows the same process that you would do a, you know, a hind leg of a pig for the dish. to yeah. make prosciutto. Right. So it's going to, it has a lot more saltiness. Mm. It's air dried in the same manner. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's not smoked. And it's much drier. So, like, the texture, while there's a lot of fat, the texture of it is much, it's drier. That's right. It's, which is, which is the difference, one of the differences between a ham and, and prosciutto style is the drying, the dried, the dried nature of it. And that, the duckiness, the unctuous, the unctuous kind of light gaminess goes really, really well with this Merlot. It really does. Now, I don't get any, so I. When I had the duck prosciutto, it seemed like that light pepper almost went away. Mm-hmm. And but the acid and the fat, they made this wonderful play. So I didn't need that pepper. It just was, you know, they just really were good. Right. A little bit about Charles Smith. While you keep 
while you kind of keep eating. You know, we've talked about him before. Mm-hmm. You know, he's known, like, he kind of started as, they say, a man with a van. You know, he started right. just driving a van up into from California and found a place among the Walla Walla area of Washington. He met with a winemaker and really just decided to do his own stuff. And they started in 2001 mm-hmm. is when they, when they released their first vintage. And by, by a little bit later, they, you know, were already in, in some of the big wine magazines as people to watch for. Uh, they're very hand, well, hands-on, mm-hmm. meaning they, they harvest by hand. They focus on the old world style of winemaking. Mm-hmm. They, you know, kind of, leave it alone when it comes to actually creating the wine and they follow some of that, but then they also have their own spin on it. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're not really fussy about their wine. I mean, they have some really good, really good wine. And you know, this is, you know, $15, $16 a bottle, but they have a bottle of Syrah that's over a hundred, a hundred bucks a bottle. So they do, they do a lot of, a lot, a lot of stuff. And they, while they're following some of these old practices, they make sure to do it in their own way. I mean, they're, they also put out a Riesling, which is a very, very good American Riesling called Kung Fu, Kung Fu Girl. Oh, I've never had that, I don't think. Have you brought some of that over here? Uh, probably. Because okay. I really like it. I think it's good. It's, it's a balanced of, it actually has a little bit of sweetness on it. So it's got a good balance. Um, in there, and it definitely go would be one that would go really well with spicy foods. So the um, sausage, speaking of spicy, it's not really hot spicy. It's just it has some, you know, different spices than what we've had with any other thing on the plate. And so maybe, you know, maybe there was something in there that was hot. But it made my tongue prickle. And then when I had the wine, white pepper came back. Right. Yeah, it's a very herby and and kind of garlicky style sausage. It goes really well with that. And the little bit of like charriness on the onions go really well, mm-hmm. well with it as well. You know, you talked about like the prickliness and all that. That may have to do with the alcohol. But the alcohol in this is only at 13.5. So kind of average for an American red wine. Not super high, but still definitely kind of up there. Yeah. And one of the things they talk about, you know, when I was talking about kind of their process is land to hand and vineyard to bottle. So they kind of, like they said, they do it by hand, but they also make sure that they're a little bit more hands-off in showing the vineyard and the bottle. Okay. You said 13? 13 and a half, yeah. Okay, 13 and a half. That's, that's not way up there, but that's, you know, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's starting to be a little bit more Merlot grown outside of the United States and France. You know, Chile is another place that has some Merlot. They're starting to grow some Merlot. And from my research, it's actually being brought in by the French. Okay. By the French families, which are coming into Chile and making and starting vineyards and doing wine. Like you had one, like you blinded me on a Malbec the other, the other week that was from the Rothschilds out of Bordeaux. Right. So they're finding a lot of these same kind of areas that, that can do the same, same stuff in, in Chile, which I haven't had a whole lot of Chile in Merlot, but it seems like it would be good. Mm-hmm. So. You, depend, you know, Chile's uh, it's that long country in South America, so it depends on how close to the equator or how far down in the country it is to depend on what they grow. Well, it also has to do how inland it goes. Well, that's true, too. Most of the wine regions in Chile are following it within valleys, mm-hmm. which go from east to west in Chile. So, like, they talked about one of the regions is the Cachawa Valley. Mm-hmm. 
and, and Mayapo, all in kind of the central the central area of of Chile. Ooh, I found a piece of peppercorn in that sausage. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I said what I said earlier, I didn't get that. Now I've got that and it's like, ooh, there's a heat. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, it makes in the with the wine, it kind of takes away everything else and just leaves that wonderful black fruit characteristic. And the black fruit here is it's really ripe. Maybe tending an overripe. Right. Not super jammy. It still yeah. has the tannins on this are very let's say kind of medium. They're right. there, but they're not really No, I have no fur on my They're taste. not really <laughs> kind of over in right. they they don't show up highly when you're just drinking it. But you can tell they're there because they're giving the wine some good structure That's underneath right. it. Right. So it it's definitely a good wine, and the price point's really good. Well, both of these, my, mine was uh, seventeen ninety nine. You get it on Wednesday, you know, gets it down there to fifteen. Yours, you said yours was fifteen ninety nine. Fifteen, yeah, and gets it down to like thirteen. But that doesn't mean because we picked wines at this price point, Washington does wines at a higher price point. There are oh, absolutely. There are some other wineries which are doing higher quality and more stylized wines like Le Cole um, is one that does really good stuff from there. Some of the higher end Chateau Saint, uh, Chateau Saint Michel okay. wines are actually are very good. You know, Chateau Saint Michel has been doing wine in Washington for, for years. They right. are some of the first people to really do it. Duckhorn's got a spot in Washington doing Cabernet on Red Mountain called Canvas Back. I think they also actually do uh, Syrah and Riesling on the mountain. Oh, Riesling. So that's one of the interesting things about... I don't think about that, but it depends on the elevation. Exactly, and that's kind of where I was going to go is one of the interesting things that makes winemaking in Washington so interesting and why a little bit more uh, kind of more people are starting to gravitate toward there is there are a lot of microclimates within regions mm-hmm. that really can help l- allow you to grow all sorts of different stuff mm-hmm. from where you're at. Right. You know, there are four um, major, let's see, yeah, there are four major AVAs. Um, and AVA stands for American Viticultural Area. It's mm-hmm. kind of America's versions of the DOCs mm-hmm. or the or the AOCs over in Europe. There's four major ones, and then there are probably nine. No, there's probably twelve to twenty different sub AVAs already, and Washington is is really kind of going after some of those micro regions because they are so different, and they give such a different kind of such different uh, tastes and right. you can do such different stuff out of it. You know, this is from kind of all over, but yours is yours is Horse Heaven Hills, which is down near the, you know, right along the Columbia River. Yeah, yeah. So. They have like 50 miles mm-hmm. on the Columbia River and then it goes north from there 20 miles. Yeah. And so they've got a huge acreage. And then, well, we can get into that when it's my turn. But I mean, there are even yeah, huge. three, I think, three different AVAs that bridge between Washington and Oregon mm-hmm. right along the Columbia River. But have you had a chance to have anything else? What are you thinking? I had the cookie. Now, if if we were having that <laughs> bottled in Bond bourbon, I'd be going, oh, Josh. Oh, this made it taste like rum. <laughs> so that cookie's really good. Mm-hmm. Of the pairings, I think it was the the least of those for this wine. Why it is it good? Why is that? What what did it well, do? Well, because this wine has that little bit of pepper. It has a little bit of that acid. But acid and sugar love each other, right? So sometimes, sometimes, and I think I got some of that, but not like I expected, not like I got uh, the prosciutto duck. Okay, so uh, very good. 
you know, we're trying things that we're not sure, listeners. You know, we don't open these bottles till we get here, and we've already decided on our foods. If we've had this wine before, maybe we've already tried some food, but we want you to experience what we're experiencing, and if you figure out something that goes better for you, just, you know, do it. Well, and I actually like the cookie. Well, I, I love the cookie. I'm just saying it doesn't seem to go with the wine as good as something else. Well, I, I actually really like it with the wine because it changes the fruit. It kind of goes in with that cranberryness and the the kind of earthiness of the of the oatmeal are counteracted by the sweetness of the okay. of the white okay. chocolate that's on it. Right. And it kind of gives this gives the wine a little bit new a new dynamic of that mm-hmm. sweetness and changes the wine a little bit to be a little bit more tart. Right. Than originally it was. Okay. Okay. So you're about ready to switch over? You yeah, I think over? I think we're good. Um, unless you have any specific thing you want to talk about. Um, otherwise, we can switch over to yours. I, th- I think I'm good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and switch over to yours. So while we're switching, why don't you remind us what your wine is so and what your pairings are. It's Horse Heaven Hills, ABA. My pairings, uh, the Philly Cheese Steak Sandwich, the two different cheeses, Humboldt Fog, and the Stelson. And when I bought those, well, Joanne says, oh, I'm going to Kroger's. You need me to get anything? And I said, well, I'll get some Humboldt. She says, what? I, I said, never mind. And I ended up buying these too. And she said, you came home with a bunch of stinky cheese. Well, okay. And then I have the apple with the caramel. And we'll see how that goes. Okay, hold on just a sec. Sorry, I had to get that out of the foil. <laughs> oh, okay. And if there's an order, it would be the sandwich first. Now, one of the things on the on the website, or maybe it's on the bottle, I can't remember which, it talks about pouring this wine up. It's kind of this cowboy area. So there was a, a man and his wife that had the Mercer Ranch, and so they started this Mercer Ranch vineyard, and it was planted by Don and Linda. Mercer in the early 70s and 80s and you know they were I think they were of the cowboy kind of people and one of the things that he said was I think it's him he said this is a horse heaven hills so what he's saying is the horses would love it here um, I don't know anything about what horses love or not but apparently, uh, I guess they would. But like you said, it's desert. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very dry because it's the, um, what are they? It's a rain shadow. It's a rain shadow desert that goes basically almost, almost all the way until you get to Idaho. And yeah. there's a lot, a lot of farming over there. But there's a lot of fruit. There's a lot of fruit farming done in. Washington in this area as well. You know, we think of apples and and other fruits. This is kind of the area where some of that is coming from. Well, that's why I thought about the apples and the caramel. So, this area is 570,000 acres, of which 15,532 are planted in wine grapes. So, they're representing about 27% of Washington's total grape. That's huge. It's got to be. Well, it's a quarter of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to remember there. So while there's a lot of area, and that's why I think one of the ways like Washington kind of started was they started some of the like the larger AVAs first, and now they're getting down farther and farther and farther mm. and getting all these subregions. So, you know, Horse Heaven Hills was AVA, got its AVA in 2005, where Columbia Valley which is the super region of the Horse Seven Hills, which is a subregion of, I mean, Columbia Valley got its ABA in, in 1984. And it is mo- like almost all of the wine country in, in Washington is covered mm-hmm. by, the, by the Columbia Valley ABA. And actually, honestly, some of Oregon, 
Oregon wine country is actually covered by the Columbia Valley ABA. Yeah. So what they grow is they grow Cabernet Sauvignon. They go grow Merlot. And for whites, they grow Chardonnay and Riesling. And it's kind of like what you said for your wine. So, and then the ABA itself goes from about 200 feet above sea level along the Columbia River to 1,800 feet at the northern bound. So they got different, you know, different temperature versions for this, you know, this acreage, this 570,000 acres. So they can grow, you know, multiple different types of grape. And it's semi-arid, and what that means, I think anything less than 15 inches of of rain a year is called semi-arid. Well, this is like six to nine inches a year. Yeah, and I think under three inches is considered arid, which would be an arid desert. Maybe so, but this is semi So, what are you tasting? Well, first of all, it's an interesting smell. You know, I get a lot of that, like, same Cabernet-ness, the, like, dark blackberry, mm-hmm, dark mm-hmm. cassis kind of flavors. There's a light little bit of earth on it as well. And this has a lot more of, like, dead and dying flowers, violets, roses, those sorts of things. But they're very desiccated in, in nature. Not a whole lot of earth or barreliness coming through. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of, like, way down there, there's a little bit of, like, greeny, greenness, and I'm not sure if it's, like, green bell pepper or just, like, green grass Mm. or some sort of green herb, tarragon, something like that. But it's it's very light on the nose. I'm having to Mm -hmm. search a lot for it. It's not very pungent Mm -hmm. on the nose. And um, definitely comes alive on the palate, though. Right. Comes alive. The acid is fairly high the tannins are pretty high on this too when i kind of go at it i get a lot of that that air but all those like flavors that i just talked about that were being kind of muted on the nose are really expand and find their find their place on the palate really well it's very it's it's more fruity than than anything it's a very fruit forward wine but there is some good structure underneath it with the tannins and the acid the alcohol it's probably what 14, 14 some odd on the alcohol. It's 14.3. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of up there on the alcohol up there, yeah. which coming from a warmer part of the state, you expect to have a little bit riper grapes, which mm-hmm. are going to give you a little bit higher of the alcohol, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is kind of common in the U S anyway, when it comes to just winemaking styles is, you know, 13, 14% is kind of the norm nowadays when it comes to American wine. Right. In, especially in the in the big in the thicker skinned grape categories. So what does this mean to you? Pressure differentials cause significant winds in Horse Heaven Hills. These winds reduce the canopy size and toughen the grape skin. So it's windy. Well <laughs> I, mean, I got it's, that. it's it's windy in the region and because of that they have to, they can't they don't have as much covering of the grapes so right. the canopy is reduced that's what he said well the can, well for people who don't know this the canopy of of a grapevine is the stuff that comes down and kind of covers up the grapes and protects them from getting too hot heat blistering and those sorts of things well because it's so windy they cut back the canopy a little bit more so that it can get a little bit more sun and be able to be ripening because it gets more sun. That is what's going to toughen up the skin and what the toughening up of the skin does will give more color mm-hmm. and more tannin to mm-hmm. the final wine. Okay. That's what I really ask as well as it helped protect against mold and rot. Yeah. Cause the wind, the wind just blows and helps to dry the grapes. Right. If there is rain or any kind of moisture that will collect on the wine. Now, unlike Italy and, and some of the other areas like France, they water their vines because it's semi-arid. 
Right. And, and, and they don't go and they're into, allow, and they're allowed to. Well, I'm not saying there aren't. It just doesn't go into how much. But I found that quite interesting that we've talked on the show about places where they don't mm-hmm. water. And here's a place where they do. Well, so they do because they have to. Exactly. When you only get six to nine inches of rain. And most of that is probably in the non-growing season. It's probably in the winter. It could be, right. Which most places that are like this, their cooler seasons are when they get more of their rain. Which it doesn't help the, I mean, it helps the vine recover, but when they're actually producing the grapes, and this goes for actually any fruit or vegetable that grows, when it's growing its fruit, it needs more water. So, because that's what is mostly in the fruit is that water. Mm -hmm. So they need to have that more water. And so they're, the AVA is written that they are allowed to water. And I bet in the AVA, they're probably allowed to water a particular amount. Exactly. And I bet it's um, what's considered drip irrigation. Probably. I don't see that anywhere in here. I mean, that's kind of the standard thing in places where they irrigate is where they irrigate is drip irrigation. Mm -hmm. But also knowing Washington, there's probably some, very strenuous regulations on just from an environmental impact of how much they can use and when they can use it. Cause I bet if I would assume right. that if there's a water restriction in a particular area, they would be subject to that water restriction as well. Correct. And I mean, a lot of them, depending on where this, these vineyards are, I mean, they can pull water from the Columbia river. Yeah. Because it's right there. Right there on the edge, yeah, not the 20 miles north. And I think most of the, I would I would be surprised if a lot of the areas in Washington don't allow irrigation just because they are in a rain shadow desert. Okay, okay. So I'm they gonna, got, You they talk, got, I'm going to eat a little bit. They got all these locations that are considered, by the way, What's the winery that makes this? Because you've talked about the Horse Seven Hills AVA Cabernet Sauvignon, but what's the actual name of the winery or the producer of the wine? So I get confused because in in the write-up here, they talk about Paul and a different people. I talk about Don and Linda Mercer. Well, in 1996, there's Paul and Judy uh, Compton and a small group of winery owners. And... They must have created Will Cena Greek Vineyard. But, it's, you know, when you read all of this, it's like one after another after another. So this whole Heavenly Hills area, AVA, has a lot of vineyards. Well, yes, I understand that. But can I see your bottle, please? Okay. So the interesting thing here is they've got some classic 96 to 100 point scores, and they have five perfect 100s. I hope you find it on there. So this is from the Greeting Wine Company. Okay. Which is very interesting because the Greeting Wine Company is in Dundee, Oregon. So here's another one. It's like the Canoe Ridge Estate. <laughs> I mean, there there's just a whole list. You know, you keep going, keep going. There's just a whole list of them. Well, yeah, you, and that's what you want. You mm-hmm. want a lot of producers coming from a particular area, but this particular producer, so this is, so if you're looking for this in the wine store, mm-hmm. you're going to look for the the Chevy Bel Air because on the label of it, there's the back of a Chevy Bel Air. Right. And the wine is actually called Greetings from Washington's Horse Seven Hills AVA Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. So... This is from the the Greetings Wine Company, mm-hmm. so that that makes a whole lot more sense because <laughs> because I was very confused because Horse Seven Hills is an AVA, it's not a producer of wine. No, it's a re, it's a region. I right. mean, this is the whole Stags Leap, Stags Leap, Stags Leap issue, which one day we can get into if, if we do California wines. Well, it's like this. This Don Linda Mercer, they have 12,000 acres of this area, and 2,000 acres are planted with wine grapes. Yeah, and they're probably doing other fruit as well. Well, I would think so. 
Cabernet, Cabernet, Riesling, Chiron, Merlot. Oh, man. <laughs> we got everything. Malbec. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to find some of their wine at some point. I think so. But, you know. Sounds like a Washington road trip. <laughs> oh, speaking of road trips. Yeah. Man, what a great time in, in Kentucky. Oh, yeah. That w- <laughs> Where it's just, you know, we were time restrained and I knew that would happen. But we still got to see some and taste some really good bourbons. It's just, you know, your time constraint. It's like, okay, do three. And the bus was great. You know, those guys, it's called uh, Mint Julep <laughs> bus system. So it was great. Marie and her, her crew. Yeah. So. This, your wine is from Horse Seven Hills. It's actually produced by a Oregon wine company who has property in Horse, in Horse Seven Hills. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating because, you know, these two areas are the Oregon and the wine, the Oregon and the Washington wine, I guess you could say probably community, while very, I, they compete, but they don't compete. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously... In most people's minds, mm-hmm. Oregon has made it more into more people into more people's minds because they're more well known. They've been around for just a little bit longer. Limit Valley, but a lot of these, ours, yeah. But a lot of these people who've been doing wine in Oregon are also starting to do wine in in Washington. And you know, like I like I mentioned earlier, you know, we both have you know lower priced wines. We've talked about. Charles Smith's case raw being very, you know, on the more expensive end, Leia Cole, which is one of the family founded ones, which have been there for a long time. It's also Cayuse. Cayuse does Syrahs out of Walla Walla, mm-hmm. which is another very well known, very well done. Uh, their winemaker who I've actually met him. He's mm-hmm. actually French. He comes from the Champagne region of France oh, okay. and he loves it there. So there's a lot going on for the Washington wine community. When I I like that I hope that more people get get into Washington wines because there's these are very food friendly wines. This wine goes really well with this as they call it legit cheesesteak. Legit. The onions no, and the cheese cheese, and, cheese steak, yeah. That's what you said. Yeah, the they call it on the menu. This is called the legit cheesesteak. Okay, because uh, it's made by a man from Philly. Okay, it's very good. The sweetness of these beer caramelized onions and the and the cheese and the meat go really well with this lightly with the more fruit forward but still good structure of this Cabernet Sauvignon. What did you think of it? Oh, I said it was very good. There was just enough cheese to go with that steak. I think you could have put more cheese, but yeah, this that that Philly steak is really really good. It was well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you tried the cheeses? Not yet. Have you? I have. Tell me about them. Well, the Stelson, of course, has that blue cheese kind of funk. The Humboldt has that ash and the cheese funk. So I'm struggling as to which one goes with this wine best. Well, can you describe how they how they each played with the wine? Uh, they both, you know, they both have enough acid to go with the wine very well. You know, this wine may not have as much acid. Do you think this wine has more or less acid? I think it's presenting, it presents less than the Marlowe. Right. That's what I was going to say. But with those cheeses, it kicks itself, the wine kicks itself up to compete with the acid of the cheese. So it's doing really well. So for me, the Stilton is a very nutty and funky cheese. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Humboldt Fog, at least the the center along the ash, is more acidic and still has that light little bit of funkiness to it. And for me, the nuttiness of that Stilton goes really well with this with this wine. 
it adds a little bit more earthy textures and tones to the wine, pulls down some of the sweetness of the fruit, mm. and really takes over and balances the wine very well. Okay. So between the two cheeses, you're saying it's still too. Yes. As compared to the center part, I'm about to have the, the liquefied, funky, aged part of the of the Humboldt, which I know is going to be different than than the more centered center part. These are really good wines. Yep. And here, Columbia Crest Winery, another one of these locations, and it says for five dollars per person. Complimentary for wine club members. I think Marie was a wine club member at one point, right? I'm, I don't think of Columbia Crest. Okay, well, you'll be treated to a flight of Com- Columbia Crest Reserve wines. These wines represent the best vintages. So that sounds like a really good deal for five bucks. Yeah. So the 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 and then you buy a re- reserve bottle. You get your five bucks back. <laughs> I like how you're talking about all these other vineyards and not really yours. I know. <laughs> so a little. So with well, the hum- I'm impressed with this whole area. Well, yeah, like I said, Washington State. A lot of people don't gravitate toward, and they really they make really good wine. And there's a lot of really good wine out there from a lot of producers. So the Humboldt the the super aged part of the Humboldt fog is very funky, mm-hmm. but it's not really an earthy funk. It's a a stinky cheese funk, mm-hmm. and I love it. It goes really well, but it doesn't quite go well with the wine because it fights. It fights what's going on with the wine. It's too much. It adds a bittering level which is just not really great for the wine itself. Bittery. So yeah. You got the, so you're talking about the ash in the Humboldt caused the bittering of the wine? No. So Humboldt fog has two distinct oh, yeah. With types ashy. of cheese in it. It's not ash. But the ash is in between. Right. But that doesn't delineate the two types of cheese. Right. There is a liquidy part around the outside. Around the edge, it's more aged, it's creamier, it has more the texture of brie. But then on the inside where that ash line is, you have more of that dry style of goat cheese. Because Humboldt Fog is a goat cheese. So the outside funky, liquidy, aged part is what I'm talking about that doesn't go well. The inside goes well. The acidity of that inside part takes over a little bit. Okay. And does a little bit more to the wine, but I think the nutty, or nutty, earthy funkiness of the Stilton does mu- does much better with this wine than okay. Okay. the humble either parts of the humble fog. I'd have to agree. Now, how was the caramel apple? Very good. So caramel apples are very good by themselves, but when I got the caramel with the apple. And the wine, so the wine, the wine would love chocolate. So this was a real experiment. So if I put chocolate on the plate, I think it would have worked better with this wine. But the caramel and the wine itself did very well. Again, that white pepper went away. The sweetness of the wine and the sweetness of the caramel and the sweetness of the apple, they just played in the sandbox very nicely. What type of apple is this? It's a honey crisp. Okay, so it's on the sweeter side of apples. Yes, yes, which was my intent. The apple by itself and the wine go really well. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, what? I'm going to disagree with you about that caramel. What about it? It does not go well. Okay. It bring this is a this is one of those classic you got to have sweeter wine than your food. Oh, well, otherwise it turns the wine bitter. Cuz that's all I'm getting with this wine now. With that so, caramel sauce is a kind of a bitter so the caramel is taste. not sweet enough. No, 
No, the, the wine's wine. not sweet enough to stand up to the caramel. Correct. And it turns the wine bitter. But if we had... What about if we had chocolate? Depends on the chocolate. Well, if we had a dark, bitter chocolate. Possibly. Possibly were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I started to do that, but then I thought, no, I want to play, play with it. Yeah, it just... It's okay. Mm-hmm. But it's not a pairing that I'm going to do personally. Okay. Or if I do it, I know that the wine's going to be bitter. Didn't get a whole lot of bitter, but I know what you're saying. I got some. Yeah. You and I perceive bitterness very differently. Oh, well, that's true. And I also don't enjoy bitterness the same way you do. Well, that's like the IPA. Exactly. Exactly. So, anything else about your wine before we head into Best on Plate? Uh, Did you have any questions about it? I don't. There's a lot of, some of these wines are called H3. That is a, that is a brand that makes wine. That's right. That's a winery. That's still the Horse Heaven Hill. Yes, but it's the Horse Heaven Hill Winery. Exactly. So, I didn't see that at the liquor store. Um. This one had a pretty good rating. It was like rated 88 out of 100. Uh, the Boom Boom was like 83 or something. I'll tell you this. But that doesn't necessarily... For me, that means absolutely nothing because well, these... Exactly. I mean, it's it's our rating that matters. All right. Well, let's go to best on plate. Let's start on my plate. What was your favorite pairing on my plate? Oh, uh, the duck prosciutto. Okay. Why was that? Because of that fat layer and the acid in the wine, they just almost, you know, <laughs> heaven, you know, it, the, it, it just really played together. Yeah. The, the, the fatness of the, of the prosciutto, and maybe we should have just had plain old prosciutto and seen how that worked. We didn't have to necessarily have the duck ham. Well, I can tell you it wouldn't be as good because the fat presents extremely different. Plus, you don't have the unctuousness of the meat. The meat is very different. Uh, that, that's very true. But It'll I be like, closer to the Bersola flavors. Yeah, but I like prosciutto. And when we were in Italy, I was, I was buying prosciutto and Joanne goes, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, that's that my best on your plate. Okay. I... I'm going to tend to agree with you that the duck prosciutto was probably the best one, but the surprise of the plate was the cookie. The way the white chocolatey lighter sweetness worked with uh-huh. and kind of turned it into more of a cranberry and added that cranberry flavor to the cookie, which was already there, was okay. very interesting to me. So how did that cookie play with the with the wine to you? Like I just said, the it kind of turned the fruitiness into more of a cranberry, mm-hmm. which was in the cookie, which kind of enhanced and went with that flavor really well. It didn't turn it overly bitter, but it really highlighted the fruit, but made it a little bit more red fruit style. Oh, okay. Because I didn't get any cranberry in your wine. Yeah, I didn't either. That's okay. what the, cook- the cookie did to it. It brought it over. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what about on your plate? What was your favorite pairing? Oh, I love that sandwich. Hmm. I should be saying I love that sandwich and saying that's it. But I'm going to have to go with a Stilton. Yeah. I love that funk. Mm-hmm. And I love that almost blue cheese funkiness with with the kind of liquid funk of the cheese. Wait, the Stilton or the Humboldt funk? No, the Stilton, which really doesn't have the liquid that the Humboldt does. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm just saying it sort of. It melts in my mouth. I got you now. I got you. That's what I mean. Kind of that buttery texture with the funkiness of it. Well, cool. Well, for me, I'm going to agree that the Stilton was probably one of the, was one of the better pairings because the way the nuttiness played with the, the earthy quality of the wine and enhanced those flavors, I was very actually, I mean, the surprise was the Humboldt Fog how it did not go with the, with the yeah, wine. Yeah. I kind of, ex- I really expected I, it to go with the wine, but 
it just didn't. It was honestly see the least of the parents. I'm glad I did what happened is I told Joanne go get Humboldt Falls. She did. And then I went to Kroger's and there was Humboldt. And I grabbed it. And I go, hmm, there's still time to grab it both. Yeah. So but I'm it, really, really glad I did. Yeah, it was a good pull. I mean, I really like both of them. Yeah. I mean, the cheesesteak the cheesesteak goes well with, you know, with the wine as well. It's just the, the way that Stilton played was just so much better. Exactly. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get that blind poured up. All right. Here we go. All right. So, Dad has got a beautiful red wine poured up for me. So, here we go. Um, like I said, this is a red wine. It is more of a kind of a darker, maybe a darker purple. Um, maybe almost a magenta going out to, not a magenta. Um, it's definitely, definitely darker going out to a lighter style, uh, meniscus there. There's no real staining in this glass with the tears. Did you read through it? There's no evidence of gas or sediment. Um, it's clear. I can, I can see through it. This wine is clean. Uh, it starts out with kind of a earthy, funky kind of smell. I'm getting a lot of earth, a little bit of, possibly a little bit of bread, a little bit of horse sweat out of there. Uh, some light cherry or uh, maybe even raspberry there on the actual, on the actual uh, nose. Definitely earth all over this wine. Uh, a little bit of kind of like dusty road. Light baking spices back there, some light pepper, some some stoning quality, maybe, and some like dried desiccated flowers. And there's a non earth, non earth thing I can't quite put my finger on right now. Wine is clean, acid is medium to medium plus, tannins are, you can say, medium, medium plus. On this, um, it's lean in texture. Alcohol doesn't seem seem too high, so we're probably looking between the 12 and, or probably between the 11 and 13 percentage. Yeah, kind of confirming the same stuff I talked about on the nose. There's quite a bit of earth on this wine. Not quite as much breadiness coming through the horsey stall kind of stuff. Um, definitely lighter red fruit. Definitely tart. Definitely the dustiness, the earthiness is there. Some of that dried and more earthy style flowers. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit more like stony earthiness to it. There, getting still some of that red fruit, but there's a like, and I can't, I think it's more of a flower tone. It's a little bit brighter, not quite as black fruitiness or anything, but. That's on it. Um, I like this wine. It's very earth forward. Alcohol is not very high. Well, in the red wine world, it yeah, you know, there's there's no staining. There's no staining in the tears that I'm seeing. So I'm going to say this is an old world wine. I'm going to say possible grape varieties here are. Oh, let's see here, Grenache. Cabernet blends, uh, maybe Movedra, maybe um, Tempranillo, kind of kind of flavors going on. Maybe even Cab Franc. Okay, so I think this is an old world wine. Um, I think it is a. This is the hard part now. Stuck between two regions. What between old world and new world? No, no. Oh, okay. Um, I think this is old world. I think it is more of a Grenache based blend. I think it is coming from France. I think it is from the Southern Rhone region. Not exactly sure any farther than that, but I'm going to go ahead and say that this is from the South, the Southern part of the Rhone region in France. And it's a Grenache based blend. All right. There you have it. All right. So it's the, that's uh that's what we got for you this week. You'll have to come back next week to find out if I am correct or if I am incorrect. 
Speaking of next week, dad's going to be off uh, doing his thing, gallivanting around the world again. So I'm going to have a special guest. I haven't quite locked down the guest yet, but it will be a beer week. And be watching because we'll be doing something for, we'll be doing some sort of beer fun. I know we're heading into the beginning of Oktoberfest season. Oh, yeah. So there's there's a high probability it might be an Oktoberfest high, fest episode, but uh, kind of be watching on the socials out there to see what we do for that week. I'm really hating to miss it, but. But, I mean, you're going to be traveling, so. That's right. That's a, that's a nice little trade-off, I'd say. Yeah. Well, Dad, another wonderful episode oh, great one. of really? exploring Washington wines here, and uh, this is really good. I bought two more, so I'm all <laughs> set for the next time we do it. I well, know. one of them was Boom Boom, so that don't count. Uh, yeah. I can't do that again. No, but uh, another wonderful episode. Thank you, all you listeners out there, for following us along. Remember, we're out there on the socials on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. We're, we're on your favorite podcast platform. Please, if you like what we're doing, don't only share us with your friends. Give us a rating and a review that helps us to become noticed and kind of jumps us up on whatever chart of your favorite podcast platform. If you would, please hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. And that helps us kind of see who is all out there. You know, we're, we're seeing lots of wonderful downloads, but for some reason it says we only have 12 subscribers. But I know there's a lot more consistent listeners in that and we really appreciate you guys feel free to drop us an email at acquiredtastings at gmail.com but right for this week i'm josh mills and i'm john mills and we'll see you next time thank you and goodbye